Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Okay. All right. So I want to begin today by talking about names. I want to talk to you about names. Shakespeare once famously said, What's in a name? What's in a name? I love learning about names. I love learning about interesting names and uh, beautiful names, different names. I really do enjoy this. Um, In fact, uh, this past week, my kids did back to school. Here's a picture of my kids for back to school. Three of them are in school and one is in his PJs in this picture. (laughs) I know, adorable. Anyone else do okay with back to school this week? Everyone survive? Mostly, kind of, not at all. Okay. And uh, so we went back to school this week, and one of my kids' teachers, get this, it's really fascinating, her, um, her name is her mother's name spelled backwards. Isn't that interesting? Now I'm not poking fun at it. It sounds really cool and different and beautiful, um, but it's, a, it's just very different. So I want you to think now amongst yourselves and even everyone streaming with us online, think right now about your name, how would you pronounce it backwards? Uh-huh, go ahead and do that now. And then turn to your neighbor and tell them what your name is backwards. Go ahead and do that. I'm hearing some giggles. <laughs> good, good. Interesting, right? I'm hearing some laughs. Some people's names sound like bad words backwards, apparently. I don't know. Very good. Now, so we, me and Leah, we have, come on, come on back, come on back. Welcome back to the message, everybody. There we go. So Leah and I, I'm glad we stopped with four kids because my name backwards, I might've given it to a fifth one. I might've named a child Rovert, right? So I, I love learning about names. I love uh, meaningful names and names with great family significance. Um, I love silly names, and I love when people name their pets silly pet names. Like, I know somebody who owns two corgis, and their names are Kevin and Bacon. (laughs) I love it. I'm super impressed by people who are really good with names. I was at an environment yesterday where I saw an adult memorize 15 kids' names in a row that he had just met. Totally impressed by that. One person I knew um, much earlier when I was a teenager who was really good with people's names, um, asked my gosh, wow, you're so good with this. He's like, yeah, I really try to be because a person's name, listen to this, a person's name is their most valuable possession. Doesn't it feel good when somebody remembers your name for the first time? Yeah. And how embarrassing you feel if you get somebody's name wrong. Yeah. I've done that plenty of times. Well, I want to talk to you today about names. We're going to talk about that. So we're in this series that we started last week called Who is God? And we're basically talking about a series of how God shows us who he is. We're talking about this because it doesn't necessarily seem as obvious as the question has right here on the screen. Like, who is God? Kind of, duh, Pastor Trevor. Not so much and not necessarily. Um, because our society is growing way more spiritual but way less religious. This past week at our teaching team, we were talking about this. Pastor Curtis, who um, is the pastor of Celebrate Recovery and the interim campus pastor at West Palm Beach. Who loves Pastor Curtis in here? Great guy. Great guy. Man, come to Monday nights at Recovery. It's the best place on Monday nights. It's great. 
And Curtis said, yeah, man, that was totally me. Curtis didn't become a Christ follower until he, later on in life, after he was an adult. And he said, yeah, I mean, but I've always been spiritual. He said, in fact, that showed me I was so spiritual, I was completely closed off to the claims of Christianity altogether. And so a lot of people are like this to where the question isn't necessarily in our society, does God exist? Which that's still a valid and very good question. But increasingly in our culture, people need to ask questions like, well, when you say God, what do you mean? And which God do you say you believe in? And even better, who is God? And so ultimately what we're trying to talk about in this series is that Christianity offers a unique perspective to this question because we believe that God himself has stepped up from the other side of eternity to show us who he is and to answer that question himself. We're talking over these next couple weeks all about this, how God shows us who he is, how he did this in scripture, and then how it reached its climax and full revelation of who Jesus is, and how God is still doing this today to every single one of us. Even if you're a person who's newer to church, newer to navigating faith, this is what God is doing in your life, we believe, right now, he's trying to introduce himself to you to build a relationship with you. And God's a perfect gentleman, he usually does this in degrees and by layers, just like he did it. In scripture. You ever met somebody before and within the first five minutes they told you their whole life story? Like, man, did they breathe at all that whole time? God doesn't do that. God works by degree. He's smart and he's emotionally intelligent like that. That's how he did it in scripture. That's how he's doing that with each one of us. So we're talking about who is God. So last week, we talked about a famous passage of Jacob's stairway to heaven or Jacob's ladder. Sometimes people call it. We talked about the idea, what theologians call revelation, not the book of revelation, but the idea of how God reveals himself to people, how he did it for Jacob and how he begins to do that with each and every single one of us. Very famous passage in scripture. Today, we're going to take another step and we're going to look at another famous passage in scripture. This week, we're going to learn about the very first time God uses his name and tells humanity about it. We're going to learn about the divine name today and the famous story of Moses and the burning bush. So if you haven't already, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up. Um, if you've downloaded this, download the COH app, go ahead and open that up for sermon notes if you want to take some notes and follow along. Otherwise, would you please stand if you're able for the reading of the God's word? And we have, just have a tradition in our church where we stand for the reading of the Bible to show honor uh, to the scriptures, and to say, you know what, when we read this, it reads us. And so we're, this is just a moment for us to show openness to God. So we're in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and this is what it says. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, who led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought to himself, huh, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why this bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, what? And Moses actually said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. 
take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said to him, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Thank you, God. And so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Wow. But, but Moses said to God, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, "Uh, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, God, we pray now. Uh, Lord, I'm just feeling inspired to pray this. I prayed this in the last service. I want to pray it again right now. Let this same mysterious fire that burned uh, in this bush but didn't consume it, Lord, maybe that's a symbol for your Holy Spirit. And in the same way, would you cause that fire, that spiritual fire to burn now in our hearts and in this room? Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, let's talk about the background for the passage we just read. This is obviously about Moses. Next to Jesus, the most famous and the most pivotal character of the entire Bible is Moses. At the time of the story, Moses um, was 80 years old. He spent his first 40 years being, uh, being raised in Egypt. And the next 40 years on the run as a fugitive, living as a shepherd, uh, for his father-in-law, as it said. I think it's really ironic how Moses was chosen to be the savior of the Israelites as he was a trained military leader in Egypt. But it was after he had spent 40 years in the wilderness being a shepherd that now he was ready to be a leader for God. I love that he's 80 years old at this because that's proof to me that if you ain't dead, man, you ain't done. God's got a mission for you. Amen? Amen. God uses younger people. God uses seasoned people and older people. God uses anybody who have their hand up and say, 
I guess you could send me. And he does. And he uses that. Uh, I love in the story with the burning bush, how it wasn't like Moses saw it and went, I must see what the Lord thy God is doing in thy flames of thy bush. He saw it out of the corner of his eye. You can read it in the passage. You went, oh, huh, that's weird. I'm going to go check it out. And he goes to see it. It's only when he goes to look at what's being interesting to, what's interesting to him is when God speaks to him out of the bush. The, the whole mission of our church, we say, is that we want to help interest disinterested people in Jesus. In the story, Moses is disinterested. God does something to get his attention, to get him interested, and then leads him into a relationship with himself. It's what God did back then. It's what God is still doing in all of our lives today. He's trying to get you interested in him, that you might reach out and start a relationship with him. I love how it starts in verse 5, when God says, don't come any further, take your sandals off. You're standing on holy ground. And for most of my life, I've read this like God is the grumpy God who doesn't want you to walk with shoes on the carpet. Has anybody else read it that way before? Like, take your shoes off, kid. Until I thought about it in a deeper way. And when I realized just a few years ago, is that sure, Moses' shoes were dirty. He's a shepherd. He's been outside. He's got grass. He's got mud. He's got sheep stuff probably on his sandals. And so, of course, maybe God didn't want him to walk in on that. But think about this with me. His feet were just as dirty as his shoes. You ever walked around in your flip-flops outside all day long? Your feet be nasty. So his feet are just as dirty, and God doesn't ask him to wash his feet. You know, um, one of my, the favorite parts of my day is when I come home, and obviously I say hey to Lee and the kids, and then I love taking my shoes off. Anybody else love taking your shoes off when you get home? Oh, it's the best. And so um, I'm going to take my shoes off right now just to test to see what Moses did here. Somebody went ill just now then. <laughs> So I'm going to take my shoes off here. If you're new, we don't do this every week like the weird bearded guy did this. Just hold on. Just hang with me. So um, I have uh, my pizza sock here in hopes that I'll eat some pizza later tonight. All right. So I got my pizza sock. Okay. And then in my other shoe, I don't know why this is so radical for some people. He's taking his shoes off. And so, um, and then I have my milk and cookies sock on this one. Not sure what that says about my diet, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so maybe I can have some of these later tonight in a movie night with our kids. I don't know. And, uh, oh, I love taking my shoes off. Did you know that in the bottom of your feet together are 14,000 nerve endings? Isn't there something interesting, like when you get barefoot and you walk outside barefoot on the beach in the sand and the water, when you go barefoot walking on soft grass that's just renewing, right? In fact, many people and wellness experts are talking about this, that the importance of going outside and walking barefoot, they call it grounding. It's actually really good for your mental health, especially if you're on a screen most of the days. You need to get outside and get barefoot. There's something about it that's does something to the human soul, to the human body when you get to do this type of a thing. It's very powerful. So I think it's really interesting that God tells Moses to take his sandals off. And I'm convinced it's not because God was trying to keep dirt out, but I think God didn't want Moses to miss out. 
that maybe God was inviting Moses to be barefoot with him because God wanted him to have an experience with him. And maybe God is inviting some of us, figuratively, not literally, keep your shoes on, to be barefoot with him. That step into my space and take the mask off, take the barriers off, and be the real you, and be barefoot and let what's holy touch you and let you touch what's holy. And so Moses goes barefoot. The story continues on, picks up in verse 13. And so Moses said to God, God calls Moses. And then Moses responds to him, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Now, this is a big deal. Because coming out of Egypt, they didn't have one God. They had many gods. When you come from our context here in the Western part of the world, so much of our society, even if you're not necessarily a religious person or Christ follower, so much of Western society has been formed by a Judeo-Christian worldview that assumes monotheism. It assumes one God. In their world, it was polytheism, where there are many, many, many gods. And in Egypt, you needed to know the name of the God that you were calling on to get specific. And so for him, it didn't make any sense. Like, it's not enough for me to say the God of your ancestors. I need to know your name. I need to know your ID card so I can tell them who it is. And God obliges. And God goes on in verse 14. And so, so what do I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Okay, go to the next slide. And then it says, God also said to Moses. So this is the third time God's answering his question. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. It gets lost in English a little bit, but in the original Hebrew, I am who I am, I am, and this word here when it says the Lord in English are all, it's a play on words. They all sound very familiar. The climax is in this word right here. Now in English, it says the Lord, and I'll come back to that in a minute, but in Hebrew, in ancient Hebrew, this is the word here. It's four, word, four letters, excuse me, and the best guess that we have, we're 99% sure that the way to pronounce it is Yahweh. Now we, the, we're 99% sure because in ancient Hebrew didn't have vowels, so we don't know. We know it's these letters but we don't know the vowels in between. And we also don't know how to pronounce it because the Israelites were so careful not to use the name Yahweh out of reverence for God and out of deference for the third commandment and the 10 commandments of thou shalt not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so if you just didn't use it at all, you wouldn't break the commandment. Deep reverence. What at first seems like a little overkill, but we get this. Growing up, I knew my dad's first name. I didn't call him by his first name. I called him dad. And if I ever, when I was a teenager, got an attitude with him and decided to call him by his first name, well, maybe I won't clean my room, Arch. My dad's famous line that he'd always say to me and my brother, he would look up and go, boy, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, right? Man, anybody else have dads like that? Yeah, exactly, right? So they knew it, but they wouldn't say it out of respect. But this is the divine name, Yahweh. And this is the very first time that God said it to a person in the scriptures. In fact, this word here, Yahweh, 
is used 6,700 plus times in the Bible for the name of God. So, but instead of pronouncing the name, what they would say instead is the Lord. They would say the Lord. Now, in Hebrew, that would be Adonai, that would be Elohim sometimes. In the Greek New Testament, it was Kairos, it would all say the Lord. Now, if you look in your English Bible here, sometimes it's Lord with a capital L, then lowercase O-R-D. That just means generally Lord. But when it's quoting the divine name, it'll show this in English. When the Lord is in all capital letters, that's signifying that they're calling upon the official divine name of God, Yahweh. So you fast forward to the New Testament then, and you see in the life of Jesus. He understands this, and Jesus makes reference to God's divine name. Think about it in the Lord's Prayer. He starts off, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right. It's like what he's praying and saying is, God, um, may your name be regarded and revered as holy in our land and in our community. May your name be famous and revered amongst our people. Wouldn't that be a good prayer for Palm Beach County, maybe even a good prayer for your neighborhood? God, may your name have street cred around here. Wouldn't that be a good prayer? And so Jesus gets this. But then Jesus does something wildly controversial and crazy. He was getting in fights with all the religious leaders of that day. And this is one of the biggest fights he picked with them. He said in John chapter 8, and I think it's in verse 58, as he's rebutting them, he says, Very truly I tell you, get ready for this. Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. What? Now, if you're new to the Bible and you read that, you just go, man, Jesus has like weird grammar and what point is he making? But if you know the story of Moses and the burning bush and Jesus then goes on to say, before Abraham was, I am. (gasps) People would have dropped their glasses. Women would have clutched their pearls. Men would have gotten angry. Oh my gosh. Jesus just equated himself with Yahweh. (gasps) how could he? Wildly controversial. In fact, of all the things that the religious leaders wanted to kill Jesus for, that's the one that Jesus consistently equated himself as Yahweh in human flesh. He said, I and the Father are one. Before Abraham was, I am. Now, If any person comes up to you and claims that they're a God or that they're God, you look at them and go, you're a cult leader. (laughs) Except with this guy, with this guy, not only did he live a beautiful life, and not only did he do unbelievable miracles, and not only did he love the poor, And that his system and his teaching have built in all of Western civilization and blessed even Eastern civilizations. It's the most beautiful life that ever lived. And then he said, on the week he was betrayed, he said, on Friday, I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And then he did it. Then you begin to listen to him. Like, maybe you're not a cult leader. Maybe you're the Christ. 
And so the first followers of Jesus not only called him master and teacher and rabbi, they begin to call him, wait for it, Lord. In fact, the apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter two. Check this out. And he said, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider, let's back up. Who being in very nature Yahweh did not consider equality with Yahweh something to be used to his own advantage. What? Keep going. Rather, Yahweh made himself nothing. The king of the universe made himself nothing. He he took on the very nature of a servant. He was made, Yahweh became a human being and being found in his appearance as a man, Yahweh humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You mean Yahweh took on skin and bones and flesh? And then died a brutal death on a Roman cross in the name of love for the sins of all humanity that they will be able to be reconciled to him? God died for us? What? The Yahweh went down the stairway to heaven that was revealed to Jacob. Instead of having humanity work their way up to him, he came down to us and did this? In the name of love, that he would win your heart? And then check this out. And in verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Keep going, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, this is the greatest thing that has ever been told on the history of the earth that God has stepped through on the other side of eternity, not only told us his name, but then put on flesh and skin and bones and said, here I am. And the Bible calls him Lord, and his name is Jesus. Now check this out. Not only that, But it says, to the glory of God, the Father. What's this? Because Jesus never, when he prayed, he never prayed to the Lord. Jesus used a different word. Jesus used this word here in Greek, Abba. Which just means Father. And so check this out. In Galatians 4, it says this here. Because you are his sons, that, that word also means sons and daughters. Because you are his sons and his daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So if someone decides to become a follower of Jesus and his spirit comes to live in their hearts, that the same way that Jesus had a relationship with Yahweh as Father is the same relationship that he extends to you with Yahweh. He's no longer a God in a dark cloud on a mountain who you should be afraid of, but you can call him Father. Even if your dad was not a good dad, This father is the type of father your earthly father should have been. So all this means basically this. What's the name of God? It means Jesus is Lord. And because Jesus is Lord, he shows us that Yahweh is our father. 
What's in a name? This is what's in a name. Now, up to this point, this is a really decent Bible study. Halfway, so-so. It was weird. He took his shoes off, you know. This is a good Bible study. What in the world does this mean for your life at all? Here's what this means for you. It first off means that because God has revealed his name, it means that God is now knowable. God's knowable. There's a famous story of a professor, a retired professor from Asbury Theological Seminary, a guy named Bob Tuttle. He's, he's a professor of missions and evangelism, an incredible guy. He's certifiably half crazy, but it's the good kind of crazy. And he tells a story of a time where he was on a trip to rural China. So don't think Hong Kong, don't think Shanghai, don't think Beijing. Um, think China, the sticks of China. And he was going there to share the good news about Jesus, which is illegal in that country. And he was going around, he had his... Um, his his partner, who's also his interpreter and his guide, because he doesn't speak Chinese. And uh, they were going through, and they were in the middle of nowhere, and they got lost. And out in the distance, over a hill, they saw smoke coming up. Like, okay, maybe a person is over there because we see a fire. They made it over. There was a small hut of a woman who lived alone in this rural place, remote place in China. And they asked her, can we lodge with you for the night so we can figure out where we're going? And she obliged, agreed, and they, they stayed there. And she cooked them a dinner. And Bob Tuttle thought to himself, well, if I'm supposed to be telling people in China about Jesus, might as well tell this lady about him. And so over dinner, he shared with her the hope of Jesus, that God loves you. God created you. And even though as broken humanity, we messed it up, but God came in his son, Jesus of Nazareth, to reconcile you to himself. And you can have a relationship with him now and forevermore. And as he was telling her this, when he finished, the woman all of a sudden backed away and got very excited, began to say the same thing over and over and over and over again at the table, just repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. And Bob Tuttle does not speak Chinese. He does not speak Mandarin or whatever dialect it was. He's like, what is she saying? He turns to his interpreter, What's she saying? Did I offend her? What's going on? What's she saying? And the interpreter goes, hold on. She's going too fast. I'm trying to listen. She's saying over and over again, so that's his name. Jesus had been appearing to her in her dreams and telling her about himself. But she didn't know his name. And so God sent this white dude from North Carolina all the way to rural China and say, his name is Jesus, and that's his name. God is not some energy. He's not some ethereal spirit. You can know God because he has a name. God is knowable, but because God has revealed his name to you, God is also accessible. He's accessible. I'm going to tell you another story about another Dr. Bob. In fact, he's best friends of Bob Tuttle. This guy's name is Bob Stamps. And uh, this was one of my favorite professors in seminary. Just a gem of a human being. He and his wife, this is how awesome they are. He came out of retirement uh, to do amazing things when Leah and I were there. And out of love, moved into the student housing area moved into student housing with married couples so they could mentor them. Anybody else who's retired or getting ready to retire, would you be willing to downsize like that and go move in student housing? What an incredible guy. 
Anyway, he told me the story one time when he was a pastor in Washington, D.C., and he was um, a pastor during the 2000 election. Everyone remember that one? Yeah, before we got our stuff right, Florida, making it complicated for everybody, right? And uh, so during the 2000 election, he was a pastor um, in Washington, D.C. One of his parishioners, one of the people who came to his church, was actually a Secret Service agent and said, hey, I'd like to take you on a tour of the White House. Can you go on Tuesday night? He's like, on election night? He's like, yeah, come on, come with me. And so they go to the White House, and he takes them on a tour late at night. And because of his friend who has Secret Service clearance, he begins to take him through door after door, through checkpoint after checkpoint after guard after guard. All of a sudden, he's in the West Wing. A couple more checkpoints, a couple more doors, and then he walks through one last door, and all of a sudden, he finds himself standing in the middle of the Oval Office itself, at the very seat of power and governance of our entire nation, at the, very, the most powerful room in the entire world, and there is good old Bob Stamps, Standing in the middle of it. Unreal. And he thought to himself, I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm not going to miss this. And he came up with the biggest faith prayer of blessing he could. He knows that scripture says no matter who our leader is, that we should pray for our leader, that God would bless them with wisdom and righteousness and with good counsel. And because, remember the year that it was, okay? And remember what time of night it was. He only had the best information that he had. He went, Father, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, would you bless President Al Gore. (laughs) Close. (laughs) Close. Close. Why am I telling you that? His friend gave him access to the most powerful room in the world. Because you know the name of Jesus, he has given you access to a room that's far more influential and powerful than the Oval Office. Through the name of Jesus, you are given access to the throne room of Yahweh himself. That there's no barriers between you and God. That Jesus has his clearance with the power of his life and his blood. He goes, follow me. You can walk in this room and have a relationship with him like you have, if, even if you had never sinned before. There's no barrier, no distance between you and God. The book of Ephesians says that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because of Jesus. And because you now know the name of God, if you want, you can have access to the throne room of Yahweh, but not as a peasant and him as a king, but with him as your father and you as his beloved daughter or son. Not only is God noble and accessible, but God is also personal because you now know his name. The first step in a relationship and in a friendship is when you extend out your hand and you look at somebody and say, hi, my name is Trevor. What's your name? And God has revealed himself first in a burning bush and then in his full and final form in Jesus. And right now he has a hand outstretched to you saying, this is my name. Nice to meet you. You want to be my friend? And he's reaching out to some of you even right now. So call on the name. Call on the name of Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to reconcile you to the Father, to heal your broken life, to give you eternal life.
to bring awakening to our community, to bring justice to our world, to bring light to darkness. Call on the name, the name of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, metaphorically speaking and praying now, would you let the light from the fire that shined in the burning bush, that same light that is revealed in Jesus Christ, would you shine that light into the hearts of every person here and online, and especially the ones who feel like they're living in darkness, and that they need a relationship with you to give them a fresh start and to make all things new. Shine the light of your name upon them now. In Jesus' name, amen. To the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and tongue would confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. One moment. If you have not yet decided to begin a relationship with this God whose name is above every other name, This name of Jesus that brings healing and forgiveness and life and freedom. Today's your day. Why not today? If you're here in this room, we're going to have a prayer team over here. And usually we've had some prayer team over here too. If you're on prayer team, you come over here. Come this way before you go that way. And they'll help you start and navigate a relationship with Jesus for the very first time if you've never done it before. And if you're streaming online... Just go on the COH app, scroll to the bottom, hit next steps, and tell us that you want to begin a relationship with Jesus and somebody will reach out to you and we will help you do that. It'll be the best decision you've ever made in your entire life. Anybody else can testify to that? Amen? Amen. Would you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction? And now may you go forth, now that you know the divine name, the name that is above every name, that Jesus Christ is Lord. May you go forth from this place being filled and saved and redeemed by his name. Go forth being carriers of the name of Jesus out into a world that needs his healing and hope so that others would say too, so that's his name. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.